So let's get into message time. We're, we're still in that series called Love is a Verb, and we're leaning into to what I think is perhaps the most difficult topic of all of the topics that we've talked about throughout this, this series. So let me ask you a question. What do you think most Americans think about lying? Okay? Not okay? What do you think? Are you guys awake today? I mean, you brave the storm to get here. Come on. Work with me. Come on. How do you think Americans think about lying? Do you think it's okay or not okay? Okay, well, I found a survey. Let's see, let's see what Americans said, okay? You know, they, they surveyed 27 people and say that's what 375 million say, but it's the survey, okay? 20% said it's okay to lie to make more money. Good, bad? Bad. 25% said it's okay to lie to make yourself look better. Bad, okay? But common. 30%... <laughs> have lied on a job application. You know, kind of fudged their resume. 46% of Americans knew someone who lied about their relationship, their marriage. That's bad. Somebody say bad. Bad. 51% of people say that Americans are not as honest today as they were 10 years ago. Agree, disagree? Agree. 60% says it's okay, here's the big one, 60% say it's okay to lie to save yourself from being embarrassed. Can I get an oh me out of that one? Because I've been there, done that, you've been there, done that, let's just be honest with ourselves. It's true. Second question for you, what impact do you think that has on our relationships? Anybody wonder why relationships are fragmenting at alarming rates in America these days? Maybe it has something to do with that simple truth that Americans are, will admit they're not as honest today as they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever the time is. Because the simple truth is, you've got to have honesty in a relationship for that relationship to hold together. We don't stay in relationship because we agree with each other all the time. And all the married people in the room said, amen. I don't even agree with myself half the time. It's like, you think that? Are you kidding? Are you stupid? I mean, come on. We don't always agree with each other. Why do we stay together? Because we each other. We're wrapping up the series, Love is a Verb. If you missed any of the messages, you can get the manuscripts by simply going to info at bridgechurch.cc, ask for the Goldsboro campus, because each of the campuses are a little bit unique. If you want our messages here, then be sure to ask for Goldsboro. You can certainly get the other campuses as well. And, and you can follow along the outline today in the Bible app. Just go there, click on event, find the Goldsboro campus, and you can see all the scriptures and all the main points that I'll be sharing with you in message time today. What we've been doing is simply pulling phrases out of 1 Corinthians 13, far too many for us to look at all of them. And so I've pulled out some of the ones that I think are most uh, pertinent to, uh, to our relationships. We've talked about love is patient, love is not proud, love is respectful, love is not easily angered, we talked about last week. And today we're in verse 6, 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. Love rejoices with the truth. The bottom line of today's message is dishonesty destroys relationships. Dishonesty destroys relationship. Love tells the truth. At the same time, just as much the bottom line, is truth can destroy a relationship too if it's not shared in the right way. Dishonesty destroys relationships. At the same time, truth can destroy relationships if not shared in the right way, if you want to tweet that, just hashtag love is a verb. Okay, let's get into it. That's why God gives us four qualifiers for the way we tell the truth. We got to tell the truth. 
Truth builds trust. At the end of the day, relationships are all about trust, but you have to learn how to tell the truth God's way if you're going to have healthy relationships. And so God gives us how many qualifiers? What did I say? Four qualifiers. And, and, and this is not a multiple guess. This is if you want to get this right, you've got to do all four. What does all mean? That means three that you like, skip the fourth. No. What does all mean? All four. You want to know what the four are right up front? Let me tell you what they are right up front. It is, you've got to tell the truth consistently. Oh, man, are you kidding me? You've got to tell the truth completely. Well, sort of. You've got to tell the truth compassionately. And you've got to tell the truth considerately. If you really want to build trust in relationships, then you've got to tell the truth. And you've got to tell it consistently, completely, compassionately, and consistently. Let's get into it. Let's unpack those, see if we can get a handle on it this morning, and then I'll let you go play in the snow, build a snowman somewhere off the little bit on the top of your car, okay? <laughs> First of all, we're going to tell the truth uh, consistently. I, I know that's, that's scary, but, but l let me ask you this question. If I were to say to Kim, or if you were to say to your spouse, honey, I love you so much, I'm, uh, I'm going to be faithful to you on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from now on. How do you think he or she would respond? Hello? They'd get the gun out, wouldn't they? Why? Because partial faithfulness, hear me, partial faithfulness is not faithfulness at all. Partial honesty is not honesty at all. If you lied 10% of the time, you are a liar. Come on. This is tough stuff, but this is where we live, guys. So let me ask you an honest question. Sit real still if you don't want to answer me. How many of you like to be lied to? Bunch of liars. We love to be lied to. Oh, man, you look good in that dress. Hey, dude, you been working out? Yeah, I've been working out. We love to be lied to. We think that there are some circumstances where we want to be told the truth and there are some circumstances where we really want to be lied to. The, the problem is that eventually we can't tell the difference. It's hard to distinguish the truth from the lies. And the result is that relationships start to break down and, and, and because good relationships are based on, based on trust. Trust building comes through truth telling. There's another good tweet if you want to put it in there. Trust building comes through truth telling here's what the scriptures say proverbs chapter 11 verse 3 from the living bible paraphrase a good man is guided by his honesty the evil man is destroyed by his dishonesty mark twain is famous for having coined the phrase no man is smart enough to be a successful liar long term after a while you forget which lie you told to which person and you can't keep it all straight right Here's what Solomon said, Proverbs 12, 19. Truth stands the test of time. Lies are soon exposed. So, how honest are you? For real. How honest are you when it comes to money, for instance? How honest are we when it comes to, to business or doing business? I ran across another survey that I thought, uh, you might enjoy. This is a survey of the top 10 American business lies. You tell me if you've ever heard or if you relate to any of these, okay? Number 10, the check is in the mail. Anybody ever heard that one? I'm not going to ask you if you've ever said that one. But <laughs> Number nine, your money will be cheerfully refunded. Number eight, 
Leave your number. We'll call you right back. <laughs> number seven, your table will be ready in five minutes. Number six, this offer is limited to the first 100 callers. Ha! It's limited to how many callers will give us the money. Show me the money. All right. Number five, we service what we sell. Yeah. Number four, one size fits all. What? All elephants? Why, all what? Number three, open wide, it won't hurt a bit. You've heard that one, right? Here, here's my, one of my favorites. Number two, this used car is in mint condition. But the number one lie in the business world across America, you decide if it's true, I'm from the IRS, we're only here to help you. <laughs> Hear me, guys. Lies are a part of the fabric of our society, but that doesn't change the fact that they destroy relationships. So whether it's marriage or parenting or business or friendship, you got to tell the truth if you really want relationships that survive relationships that go beyond superficial you got to tell the truth and you got to tell it consistently ready for number two you got to tell the truth completely in other words you don't play games with the truth a half truth is a whole lie you can't go there let's be clear there's a couple of ways that you can be uh, you can be untruthful you can be dishonest you can lie it can be by not meaning what you're saying or it can be by not saying what you're actually meaning, right? Look at the message paraphrase of Proverbs 10.10. 10. An evasive eye is a sign of trouble ahead, but an open face-to-face -face meeting results in peace. You get the, you get the essence? You see that phrase, <coughs> evasive eye in there? Kim, could you get me a bottle of water, please? My throat is, is trying to play tricks on me here. You, you see, you, you know what he's talking about, an evasive eye? Thank you, darling. You know, what, you know what he's talking about? Have you ever had somebody who's, who's talking to you and they're telling you something and they sound very, very sincere, but they won't quite look you in the eye. They kind of go, you know, and you just go, well, that didn't quite click. I mean, come on. What's, if, if this guy, this gal's sincere, then, then why won't they actually look me eye in, in the eye? That's what he's talking about is that they sound honest but in fact you know somehow there's a dishonesty one going on a and what's that a sign of hello are you there trouble ahead it's a sign that there's going to be trouble down the road but the only way you avoid that trouble is what an open face-to-face -face meeting because that's ultimately gives you peace and what is that peace it's a peace that i know i can trust you to tell me the truth i may not like the truth it may be a hard truth to hear, but I know that I can trust you to tell me the truth as you understand it. Because otherwise, you end up with trouble ahead. And what kind of trouble is he talking about? He's talking about mistrust. He's talking about doubts about the relationship. And down the road, he's talking about resentment. He's talking about bitterness. He's talking about, at the very least, relationships that stay at a very superficial level because you can only get so close to somebody you don't trust. Can I get an amen in the house? We know that, right? So why do we hold back from telling the truth? Because we're cowards, that's why. Hello? I mean, we know there's a truth we need to tell, but we're afraid that if we tell it, they'll freak out. 
They'll blow up. They'll walk out. They'll leave. They'll do something. And so we fall into the pattern of this culture that says, don't rock the boat. Keep the peace at any price. But hear me, guys. It just doesn't work. Trust me when I tell you, I know. It just doesn't work. Kim and I have, um, I struggled Thursday night when I shared this message. I struggled uh, to find the right word, and I, I still don't have the word for it. Uh, but, uh, but I'm going to use the one I did Thursday because it's just the best word I can come up. We have an amazing marriage. 41 years we've been together, 42 together, 41 as husband and wife, and uh, she's my best friend. That's just all there is to it. We just, we do life together, but it hasn't always been that way. The first year we were together, we actually dated for the first time on February 15th, and we married a year later on February 15th, and that was a uh, an incredible year of euphoria and Finney Ethel Merman's flying all over the place, you know, just the chemical releases are happening, the endorphins are flying, and we're just, you know, just so in love. Oh, man, it was just so amazing. It was so cool. And then we got married, and we went on the honeymoon, and everything's really cool. And about two days after the wedding, we realized that we'd never really had the conversations. We'd never asked the hard deep questions that got to the real truth of who we were as people. I knew her favorite color. We had a favorite song. It's still our song. If you hear my phone go off and it's Kim, it's how sweet it is to be loved by you. That's our song. We had all that stuff. But then two, three days after the marriage and we're living in the house that's prepared for us, I realized Kim had never asked the question, do you put the toilet seat down when you're done? I had never asked the question, do you require that towels be folded in a precise way every time? Within two days of the wedding, boom, who is this person I'm married? But you know what the biggest mistake we made was? We made an unspoken decision not to talk about it. We just pushed it down. We just shoved it away. We just said, we're in love. Let's just get along. And so we went back to surface communications. The result is the mountain of stuff got bigger and bigger and bigger until two and a half years into our marriage. We had a toddler and an infant. I was going to college full-time and pastoring full-time. We were ships in the night passing, and Kim finally said to me one day, you know, the only reason I'm still here is because you're in the ministry, and I won't be the one that destroyed that. And I had to face reality that we had not been telling each other the truth. We made a decision then and there. That's not who we choose to be. Now, hear me. We did not get to that place because we're bad people. We did not get to that place because we aren't suited for each other. We did not get to that place because we married the wrong person. Oh, I didn't marry Mrs. Wright, so she must still be out there somewhere. You know who Mr. Wright is? You know who Mrs. Wright is? The one you stood at the altar and said, I will, whether you do or not, for the rest of my life. That's Mr. Wright. That's Mrs. Wright. Come on. That's, that's who it is. You see, God created us in His image with the capacity to love the way He loves. And who does He love? Who does He love? 
That means you have the capacity to love anybody. Be careful, singles, who you date, because you have the capacity to love somebody that's not good for you. Because you're created in the image of God. But once you make that commitment, you have the capacity to love that person if you will. But you've got to be willing to tell the truth to each other, not just consistently, but completely. Here's what happens, guys. We, we run into these things. We, we get afraid. If we're going to talk about it, it's going to be a problem. So what do we do? We sweep it under the rug. You know that expression, right? Go sweep it under the rug. After a while, we've swept so much stuff under the rug, we got a big old heap in the middle of the living room. The rugs pile up. And what do we do? Don't look at me like you don't know what we do. We tiptoe around the hump to get to the other side of the room. And before you know it, the hump is getting so big, we're jumping to see each other on the other side of it, all the while pretending it isn't there. Can I be just dead honest with you? Some of you are doing that right now. In a marriage, with your neighbors, with your children, with your parents, with a close friend, and as scary as it is, you need to know, guys, you're undermining your relationship little by little by little by doing it that way. And one day, all you will have left, at best, is a superficial relationship. Because trust is the currency we trade in in intimate relationships. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 23, from the Living Bible paraphrase. In the end, not in the beginning perhaps, but in the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. In other words, problems are prolonged by the failure to be frank. So don't beat around the bush. I mean, I know this stuff is scary. I know it's unpleasant up front. It's painful. It's awkward. It's, there's conflict. Sometimes there's anger. And that's why, in theory, we, we agree honesty is the best policy. But in practice, we say, maybe this isn't the best time, right? So teenagers are not honest with their parents because they convince themselves their parents are going to kill them, right? Employees think, if I tell my boss what's really going on with this project, she'll fire me. Married people think, if I tell my spouse what I'm, how I'm really feeling, she'll walk, Church members think, if I really tell Pastor Jim what I think of his sermons, he'll be discouraged. He'll go home and quit. <laughs> truth is, guys, we have to be willing to tell each other the truth. Because avoidance only postpones the inevitable, and you are only hurting yourself and your relationships when you refuse. Here's what I'm saying. Don't wait until you're in court and you are forced to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, to tell each other the truth. Boy, it's gotten quiet in here. <laughs> Proverbs 24, 26, an honest answer is as pleasing as a kiss on the lips. Don't you love that one? But hear me, guys. I said, how many are there? How many qualifiers are there? Four. four. How many of them do you have to follow? Four. You can't pick two out of the four, three out of the four. There's four. And so hear me. What I've said to you so far about being truthful, consistently, and completely, is not a license to be brutal. It's not a license to blow each other away with the truth. There's a third qualifier, and the third qualifier is you've got to tell the truth compassionately. Compassionately. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 15 from the Amplified. 
The, cl the, the classic Amplified says, Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. What's love? We're speaking the truth lovingly. What's love? Hello, have you been here for the last six weeks? It's a verb. It's an action. It's a commitment. It's a choice that we make. And what are some of the choices we've talked about? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It's respectful. Love is not easily angered. That's what we're talking about. We're speaking truth to each other. We're making sure that we're doing it in a loving kind of way. In fact, let me give you a couple of things to remember. You may want to jot these down if you're taking notes. <coughs> if you want to know <coughs> whether the, the, the consistent and complete truth that you're telling is wrapped in love, there's two things you've got to keep in mind. Number one, people receive hard truths faster and more easily when the truth is wrapped in love. When it starts with love and ends with love and they know your motive, your motive in telling it is love. I love it when people say to me every now and then, Pastor Jim, boy, your message is really cut to the heart, but you don't preach at me. You talk with me about it. Boy, it doesn't get any better than that for me because it suggests to me that you know that everything I tell you that is hard sometimes, it's ultimately for your good, which leads us to the second truth about this thing is that truth without love will be resisted. Truth without love will be resisted every time. In fact, truth without love is really manipulation. It's seen as an attack that needs to be defended or counter-attacked. We talked last week, Kim and I illustrated for you last week, this idea of, of attacking issues, not attacking people. But let's be honest, many of the hard conversations that we have with the people that we love are probably more characterized by attacker defender than they are, let's get together and figure this thing out. Hello? Is it true? The wife says, well, when are you going to fix that dripping faucet? I, you told me you'd do it today. I can't stand it anymore. You've got to fix the dripping faucet. To which the husband replies, man, give me a minute, will you? I've been working all day. I mean, you remember what you made me do yesterday. What do you mean, made you do? I, I asked you to give my mother a ride home. I thought you didn't mind giving mine. I, I asked you nicely. What do you mean, I made you do? You always try to start a fight every time I talk to you. Yeah, me? I'm trying to start a fight? He says, all I'm doing is explaining to you why I haven't fixed the faucet yet. But you always expect me to do more than I'm capable of doing. She says, what do you mean expect too much? I'll let me tell you something. You expect so much from me, and I never, I never get so much as a thank you from you for anything that I ever do. What's going on? What's happening? We don't even remember that the faucet is still dripping. We haven't solved the problem. We're just attacking and counterattacking, and relationships kind of end up that way. What's the solution? Tell each other the truth, but make sure that you do it consistently, completely, and compassionately. So, okay, how do I know if I'm doing that? Good question. I'm glad you asked it. Here's the question you ask yourself. Whose benefit am I bringing this truth for? Who do I hope benefits from this truthful conversation? If it's for my benefit to put them down, to get them back, to take pressure off of me, to make myself look good, to vent frustration, you are not wrapping the truth in love. You're not. If you can honestly say, I'm going to speak the truth in a way that's designed to help them grow, to build them up, to deepen 
an honest relationship with each other, then maybe, just maybe, you're speaking the truth in love. And if you aren't there yet, then pray that God will wrap your heart in love before you have that truthful conversation. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, careless words stab like a sword, but wise words do what? Bring healing. If you're doing it for their benefit, it's in love. If you're doing it for your own, probably not. So we tell the truth. We tell it consistently. We tell it completely. We make sure we tell it compassionately. And then there's a fourth qualifier. Can't leave any of these out. What's the fourth one? The fourth one is we tell it considerately. And here's what I want you to consider. Here's what I want. Lean in. I'm going to wrap this thing up in, in perhaps the most important truth that we're talking about today. Here's what you've got to consider. There are no deep relationships without truth. I mean, you've got a high school friend that you run into in the mall once in a while and say, hey, man, good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. You're doing good. Yeah, man, I'm doing great. Hey, you look good, dude. What's up? Hey, let's have lunch sometime. Yeah, let's do lunch sometime. All right, good to see you, bro. And you walk away. Not much conflict in that one. Not much truth in it either. If you start going deeper, what's going to happen? Eventually, you're going to disagree with each other about something, and you're going to have to be honest with each other in order to go past that point. Dr. Jerry Bridgers, a Christian psychologist, describes it this way. He says, imagine that two people, whether it's a married couple or friends or brothers and sisters, whatever the relationship, they're walking along and they have a somewhat superficial relationship. They're kind of, hi, how you doing? Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you. You're doing good. You look good. You've been working out. Yeah, me too. You look good in that dress. You know, that kind of stuff. But they, they, they decide that they want that relationship to go deeper. They want it to be closer. They want it to be more real. They want it to be more meaningful. They want it to be more intimate. So they make a decision. We're going to go on a journey from this town called superficial to this town called intimate relationship. You with me? You tracking with me? Do you hear like this if you're tracking with me? Okay. So here we are. There's the road. There's the town we want to get to. Somewhere between here and there is a tunnel called the tunnel of conflict. And the only way you get from superficial to intimate is to go through the tunnel of conflict together. And what creates the conflict? Telling hard truths without being compassionate, without being loving, or avoiding truths completely. So here's what happens. We go along in the journey called superficial. We get to that tunnel. Tunnels are dark and scary. We go, oh, I don't know if I want to go in there or not. If it's a long tunnel, you can't even see a light at the end of it, so you think it might be a cave, and so everything in you wants to bolt, say, no, I'm not going to tell the truth. No, I'm not going to be honest. I'm not going to tell the truth consistently or, con or, 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 or compassionately or in any way. I'm just not going to do it. I can't do it. So what happens? They double back around to the town called superficial, and they wonder why their relationships never get any deeper. The only way you get deeper is if you take the risk to say, let's talk to each other honestly about our relationship. And yeah, we've used marriage as an illustration a number of times throughout the series, but I've also made the point a number of times throughout the series that at the end of the day, guys, we're talking about any relationship you want to go past superficial. 
I just started in January. January 1st, as a matter of fact, was my first Sunday as interim campus pastor here in Goldsboro. And when I started meeting with the core leaders of this campus, the first conversation we had that very week was this, okay, guys, if we're going to work together, here's what we got to do. We have to have an honest relationship with each other. And they all agreed immediately. Yeah, let's have an honest relationship. I said, let me make sure you understand what I mean by honest. Most people, when they say, let's be honest with each other, they mean, let's be 95% honest with each other. I'm going to hold a 5% back. And so I would say in those early days of meetings, guys, this is the last 5% group. Let's just be honest with each other. If you, if you messed up, own up, we'll figure out the solution together. If you got it right, tell us you got it right, and we'll high-five each other and celebrate. And you know what's happened? In less than three months, we've formed a bond where we know that we know that we know we've got each other's back. You know why? Because we have an honest relationship where we tell each other the truth consistently, completely, compassionately, and we consider that's the only way we're going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. So whatever relationship you want to apply these principles to, guys, the only way to get there is speak the truth in love. Here's how John, the disciple who loved Jesus, said it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 from the North Carolina version. I always like to say it. It's the New Century version, but anyway, it's my favorite. Here we go. If we live in the light as God is in the light, we can share fellowship with one another. Then the blood of Jesus, God's Son, does what? Cleanses us from every sin. Here's, here's what that simply says. Where does fellowship take place? What does it say? In the light. What does the light mean? It means you don't hold things in darkness. You understand that when you hold a secret in darkness, it grows and grows and grows like a cancer until it kills? That the only way it gets healed is when you expose it to the light, when you start telling the truth about it. God says fellowship is in the light and what's fellowship let's have a cup of coffee together no what's fellowship in the original greek language it's the word koinia that means i'm as committed to you as jesus christ is to us and i'd give my life for you that's fellowship and if you want that kind of relationship with one another where you lay down your lives for one another and i'm not talking about you know i'd take a bullet for you i'm talking about I'll miss the second half of the game during March Madness because you're in trouble and you need my help. That's the kind of fellowship I'm talking about where we really care about each other more than we care about ourselves. That's what the original church had. That's what we need so desperately in our lives. If you want that kind of fellowship, where do you get it? Where do you get it? In the light. But Jim, I mess up all the time, I know. But when you do it this way, what does the blood of Jesus Christ do? Cleanses us from all of those sins and all that stuff that keeps us from being in relationship with one another because we are, at the end of the day, profoundly imperfect beings who mess up all the time. And we say stupid stuff, and we fail to say stuff we should have said, and we fail to do things we should have done, and we do things we shouldn't have done, you know, and, one, and we every now and then go start beating ourselves up and say, man, why did I do that again? But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin. And the result is a relationship, an intimate one, with God and with each other.